coming up on today's episode. There's price tags now on podcasts. They're like You can acquire a podcast and you can guesstimate a value based on the downloads that you have and how much these platforms have been willing to pay for these other shows in the industry. Hey, it's Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur. Why is that? Well, I spent 40 years hiding. That's right, showing up in every situation, hiding my true talent, my true ability in exchange for seeking the approval of others. No more of that. I'm now on a mission to help those do exactly what you've always known is possible. This is how it's done. Well, thank you for stepping into the studio, coming along for the ride. I got to validate your choice and decision today because you are not going to be disappointed. Your decision is validated. You have made the right choice to tune into this episode. I'm guessing you pushed play. You already know who is here. It's the Travis Chapel. You know all about him. You are going to learn so much more. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. First of all, how you doing, Travis? Welcome to the show. So good to finally cross paths with you here. Yeah, dude. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. We had crossed paths in person twice in the uh, through industry events, more recently at uh, Podcast Movement in Nashville. And then yep. prior to that, I saw you as the keynote, I think, also for the prior podcast yep. movement. Was that so, wow, so was that, that back was at, in 19? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was actually 20 and it was at Podfest. My bad. Go like, ahead. Yeah. yeah. It was like the week before the COVID shutdown was Pod, That's Podfest when it was. 2020 was like March 7th or something like that. That's and, right. Um, and yeah, I got the the opportunity to to keynote there. It was you know awesome that it didn't get shut down and like the keynote opportunity was still there, but it was also kind of a bummer because when you keynote like that, you want to be able to leverage that into more things. And obviously the entire world shut down, so I couldn't, but it was an overall awesome experience. I love Chris, love PodFest, and um, and Podcast Movement was great too. Yeah. Now you're no stranger, obviously, to the medium. You're a podcasting consultant, you're a real estate investor, and a professional connector. We could spend an episode or two on each of those so uh, let's pick one out of the gate. I want to talk about professional connector. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, you know, when I initially put that there, and maybe that's like a LinkedIn bio or something, I don't, I don't know where that exists now. But when I, when I initially put it there, I just didn't want to use all the stereotypical things that people said about themselves. And so my show, uh, my my podcast is called Build Your Network. And that's kind of the show that has kind of been our... Uh, entry into the marketplace, I guess you could say. And I just found myself starting to make money off of connecting people together for different opportunities. And like, I wasn't searching it out or looking for it or advertising that. It just kind of happened that way. As I continued to build my network, I've continued to see more opportunities to connect certain people within my network that could work together and exist together. And, and so... Uh, that was just one of the one of the ways that I made money was by doing that. I thought it sounded interesting at the time, so I put it up on my bio. But you know, what's interesting about that is that that's kind of manifested itself even further into into the software that we have now, because that's really all it does is connect people professionally and get paid. We get paid for it. You know what I mean? So um, it actually it actually ended up really really describing what we ended up doing 
<laughs> later on. But when I first did it, it was just kind of like, oh, how do I sound different than everybody else? Yeah, let's talk about that uh, software. You're talking about Guestio, which uh, you brought to the market uh, a little bit ago. And um, it got my attention right out of the gate, as I know it did most smart people paying attention. Tell us what Guestio is. Yeah, so it's a marketplace that allows you to go connect with high-level shows, content channels, YouTube uh, podcasters, bloggers, as and then um, as well as the guests to interview for those content channels. So it's a dual-sided marketplace. There's a whole marketplace full of guests. There's a whole marketplace full of shows. And it is the first pay-to-play marketplace. And the reason that we did it that way is there's a lot of other companies that exist. And I love all of them, by the way. I have great relationships with some of the CEOs and founders of some of these other companies. I'm not speaking ill of any anybody or any uh-huh. product out there. It's just that it wasn't the product that I needed when I was looking for one. Like When I was looking for one, I had already gotten some really great people on my show, some of the best of the best in my space, in the, in the entrepreneurial kind of influencer, author speaker, even a few like billionaires and and things like that that I'd had on my show. And so at the time I wasn't I wasn't looking to fill my guest lineup because I needed to fill spots. Like I was actively pursuing dream list type people and when I would go to some of these other platforms to look for them they just weren't there. And so the question I started asking myself was, well why? Why aren't they on any of these other platforms? And the obvious answer is that they don't need more reach outs. They don't need more pitches. They need better pitches and better reach outs. And uh, the one thing that they're always worried about is people taking advantage of or wasting their time because anybody that does well in this life understands that the ultimate asset that we have is time and it has nothing to do with money. And so if like people always think that the metric is downloads or views, like how big is your audience? That's a factor. It's a contributing factor because if you have a lot of downloads or a lot of views, that person knows they're not wasting their time. But the ultimate the ultimate deciding factor is, am I going to waste my time here if I say yes to this appearance or this this show? And so we were just like, well, we can answer that question right off the bat if they're getting paid for their time. Like If they go in and assign a price to 30 minutes of their time, then regardless of how the interview goes, they didn't waste their time because they got paid for their time. So that was kind of the, the thought process from the beginning is just like, look, it's not like these people are saying... It's not like these people are not willing to go on shows. I've gotten a lot of them to say yes. It's just that they're not willing to go on every show that reaches out to them because they literally physically cannot do that. So how can we help them make that decision process a little bit easier and make sure that it's worth their time and they have a positive experience on the platform as well? And to me, the obvious answer was, let's just get them paid for it. So it's kind of like Cameo, you know, but instead of booking a 30-second shout-out, you're booking a 30-minute interview. Wow. Incredible tag. Puts it so, so perfectly into perspective. Let's double back into your show, Build Your Network, nearly 700 episodes since its launch, a top 25 business podcast, which has now been retired? Yeah. You know, it's funny, man, is um, the more I started working on the software, the more time it started to demand from my schedule. And with Build Your Network, we were releasing on there six days a week uh, recently. So it was just getting too much. My, my calendar was crowded with interviews when I needed to be working on the software. And so we scaled back a lot, decided to retire it. But two weeks ago, we decided to reverse that decision. So the, the next episode of Build Your Network will probably be titled something like JKLOL or something like that. <laughs> uh, because we're going to bring it back. We're going to bring the show back. 
And really what's happening is Guestio is technically acquiring Build Your Network from me, from Travis. And uh, so, so it'll be Build Your Network by Guestio. And then my content director, Eric, is going to be hosting that show. And then we'll also have a couple surprise hosts and people that are coming on to do interviews. I'll still do some of them myself as well. But it'll allow us to really, it'll allow us to use it as a line item in our business as a way to attract customers. And in that context, it makes sense for us to continue putting out content with it, essentially, is, is what the is what the decision making was. So smart. So because I know in in current time, the most recent episode is where we're hanging up the hat. Build yeah. your network, right? So now you've you've had thought very smart decision. Keep that momentum going. Take it yeah. over under the buy Guestio brand and go yeah, forward. That's the thing, man, is like we built an asset. You know, it's taken me four plus years and almost seven hundred episodes to be over six figure downloads every month. And so when we were looking at shutting it down, it was just like, well, I mean, now it's worth yeah. something. Why are we just going to shut it down now that it's like worth something? You know what I mean? So let's talk um, about that because I know so many of the listeners want to know how, how in the world you make. And I love that you used the word asset to describe a podcast, yeah. which, uh, which is so true because yeah, there's undeniable. value to it. It's undeniable value anymore. 10 years ago, five years ago, it was all speculative. We didn't know. Uh, it, there, there was obviously some value, but it was difficult to put a number on it. It was difficult to assign value to podcasting. But in the last three years, companies like Spotify and Amazon have put a price tag on podcasting and valued podcasts. Spotify bought up Gimlet, I want to say north of $300 million uh -huh. for Gimlet, purely a content network. Amazon bought. bought Wondery, yeah. Amazon bought Wondery very recently. Amazon also bought Smartless, which is a podcast oh, yes. hosted by Jason Bateman and Will Arnett Will and Sean Hayes. Um, love it. They bought Smartless for $60 million. Spotify bought Call Her Daddy for $60 million. And then the famous one is Spotify bought Joe Rogan for over $100 million. So there's price tags now on podcasts. They're like You can acquire a podcast and you can guesstimate a value based on the downloads that you have and how much these platforms have been willing to pay for these other shows in the industry. Even a company like HubSpot's getting into the podcast. That's right. They started the HubSpot Podcast Network. And they're coming out of pocket to endorse and bring on multiple shows inside of their own network, paying upfront signing deals and uh, things like that, that are only for the purpose of leveraging a content asset to get more people familiar with their brand and using their software. So it's it's undeniable at this point. It's no longer a speculative thing that that you can you know decide whether or not you think it's worth something. It's not a debatable thing. Like people are paying for them now. The the trick is getting yours to be worth something and getting it worth something to the right buyer potentially. So let's talk about that. First of all, what we just spoke about the past two minutes, that short list of who's doing what in the podcast space, I'm nodding along. I happen to be aware of those headlines as well, which I always say, if you want to play in this space, if you are playing in this space, it's a sin if you do not know this information. You don't have to dig far to know this information, but if you claim you want to be a player in this space, if you want to be reputable, you have to know who's doing what. So yep. I just wanted to make that comment. You have to. And it's just headline reading at best. Right. So let's speak to the people who are already 
running a show, a professional show, a good show, maybe even a great show. They're at a level. How? Because you've done it. You've had guests like Grant Cardone, Tom Bilyeu, Amy Porterfield, Aubrey Marcus. You've had all, and the list goes on and on. And this was before Guestio, naturally what brought you to it. So how? How does somebody take the momentum they have? They're already well positioned. They're already good or great at what they do. Where do they go from there? How did you do it? Yeah. So in terms of downloads specifically, you have to get on other podcasts, which is why I value conferences like PodFest and Podcast Movement. and things. It's a gathering of platforms and reach. And you don't know that the person that you're talking to might be a good show for you to be able to get on. And they probably won't invite you on unless you build some sort of relationship with them. Exactly what you and I are doing right now, right? Like we met at a conference and then set a date to do a podcast interview later because there was some similarities that we had and, and some value to be exchanged there. So to me, the answer is get another podcast. And then before you do that, though, you really need an offer. You need, you need a way to monetize the podcast and a way to make money. Because really, the real answer that nobody wants to give in the space, the number one way to grow your show is paying money to grow your show. Because that's the most guaranteed way to grow your show. Like advertising and spending money to acquire more listeners is the most guaranteed way to grow your audience. So the problem is that most people don't have any money to advertise with. You're starting a podcast on the side of your nine to five, and you don't have any extra money at the end of the month to put into your podcast marketing. And if you did, you wouldn't know where to do, where to put it or what to do with it. So to me, that's why I encourage people. And that's why I like this show about coaching is that there's something, there's some knowledge that you might have that you can impart to other people. There's something that you can do for others that you can get paid to do. Even if it's not coaching or sharing knowledge, maybe it's just doing social media management or starting a small agency. Like getting an online agency to do $10,000 a month is really not that difficult in this day and age. Like social media posting content, like there's something that you can do for somebody else so that they don't have to do it for a certain price and you could get enough customers paying you to make a six-figure income. And then earmark a percentage of all of your income for advertising the podcast to get more listeners and downloads and grow your attention. That's all these companies are investing in, by the way. It's attention. There's no way that Spotify is going to make $60 million on Call Her Daddy from sponsorships to make up for the price that they paid for the show. There's no way. They're doing it because they want Call Her Daddy listeners who love the show to now have to go listen to Spotify. I did this with Joe Rogan the other day. I was driving to LA and I was looking on my normal podcast app and uh, I was like, why isn't Joe Rogan pop popping up? And I was totally forgot. Like, oh yeah, he's he's only on Spotify now. So I pulled up Spotify and listened. You know what I mean? As I was doing that, I wanted to listen to some music because I was already in Spotify. I listened to music in Spotify. That's the exact reason that they're buying these shows. It's for attention. It's not for the amount of money they're going to make on sponsorships. So you have to look at your shows the same thing. Like, how do I grow attention? Because attention is the ultimate asset. That's what I've like. The people that are going to win in the next downturn of the economy are the people who have the most attention. Like, other people will win. I'm not saying that's the only way to win, but that is a guaranteed way to win. Like, I guarantee you, Gary Vee will not be affected by the next recession in any way because of the attention that he has, because of the audience that he's built. And so you have to turn it into how much attention can I garner and how much money can I put into gathering that attention without having to worry about it coming back so that I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. So the answer to that is like, if you have some sort of an offer, something to sell, then 
you go get on shows and you try to bring people into your podcast and then you have a call to action on your podcast to sell your offer. That's the way that I did it. Is just like I I built an offer, I put a call to action on my podcast to sell the offer, and then I went and got another podcast, the super soft sell, right? I'm not going on your podcast, Josh, and saying like, hey, go apply for my coaching program. I'm just saying, like, I'm on here talking about how awesome podcasting is. As I did, I did podcast coaching specifically. So, like, I'm on here talking about how awesome podcasting is. Here's the top five reasons why everybody should have a podcast. Here's what a podcast did for me. Here's what it can do for you. Go listen to my show, build your network. If 12 people come from your audience, go over to my show and click play because they were interested about what I was here, what I was talking about podcasting. And they go search for an episode and it's me interviewing Grant Cardone because they love Grant Cardone. And then at the beginning of that episode, I'm like, hey, by the way, if you want to learn how to, how to have a podcast like this, so you can get in front of Grant Cardone someday. Uh, go to trapshapel.com slash apply. We have a quick coaching program that'll walk you through how to build, grow, create, and monetize your own podcast in the next 60 days. You know what I mean? We'll talk to you soon. And then people started going to that to that call to action. We started monetizing with real money so that we could start actually earmarking some of that budget to go get more attention and get on more shows and advertise the podcast um, or advertise our offers to make more. Like you got to get a flow of money. Is my point. Whatever your plan of attack is, if you're sitting there like, oh, I don't want to create offers, I don't want to sell anything. Like, okay, then the way that you're going to do it is through sponsorships or through selling guest spots. But those are only valuable if you have an audience. So you're going to have to pay something up front or it's going to take you a ton of time. Like people want the shortcut answer where it's like, I don't want to spend money and I don't want to take too much time. And it's like, okay, well, like be homeless then. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's going to take time so or it's going to take money. It's going to take one or the other. The best people use both of them. The best people are in it for 12 years and they spent a ton of money to get to that point. That's where you have the Jordan Harbingers of the world who's been podcasting for over a decade and gets 11 million downloads a month. Like he doesn't have 11 million downloads a month because he's been podcasting for that long. He has 11 million downloads a month because he's been podcasting that long and he was willing to invest a lot of money in growing his audience and growing his show over time. But now he chills because, you know, and, and, he, and I know he doesn't chill, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he makes a lot of money at 11 million downloads a month, focuses only on show content and growth. You know what I mean? So, but what I'm saying is like something's got to give. You want more attention, you're going to have to pay for it or you're going to spend a lot of time trying to get it. The, the best yeah. way I know how to do that in podcasting specifically is becoming a guest on other shows, which is also something that we do on Guestio, is, yeah. is connecting guests who want to get on podcasts as well. And speaking of the amazing Jordan Harbinger, I had the, uh, the benefit of interviewing him twice. You know, I'm not telling you or anybody listening anything they don't know. Incredible guy uh, who also happens to be on Guestio. So yeah. uh, an amazing connection. I love how you said that the thing people don't want to hear is how, you, how do you, the best way to grow your show is you got to put money somewhere into the show. And you're saying, if I heard you correctly, it's find money to invest in getting listeners to your show. And then you monetize on the show somehow that way with an offer that you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. The reason that I teach it that way is that... Um, you don't have to be good at sales to do it that way. Some people like I had the advantage of being like five years of door to door sales before I started a show. So I felt pretty comfortable selling people stuff. But if you're if not, if not a salesperson, you're not comfortable doing that. Having somebody take action on your own show through like an application or something like that, it's the easiest selling I've ever done in my life. It's more like order taking. You just have to get on the call and not screw it up. 
Like they're already super interested. They've listened to X amount of your episodes. They they know you, they like you, they trust you, they want what you have to offer, or they wouldn't have taken the time to pull out their computer after listening to a podcast on their drive and type in information to apply for this program that you have available. Like your job is literally at that point is to take the order and don't screw it up. So uh, that type of selling is just a lot easier. That's why, like, I usually just try to tell people, like, bring the traffic into your show and then pitch on the uh, the calls to action that you have available on your on your podcast. I'm currently working with a client who also was a door to door guy, starting at 16. Actually, spent nice. uh, four to five years door to door, and really a trib. And he's a masterful salesman and marketer and successful business owner. Uh, and, and I saw that in your history. So it's just, it's just confirmation that that specifically, it seems like schools should create that program, like in, in grade school, really like, all right, kids, we're going to go knock it on doors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the best education I ever had in terms of, it's like a communications crash course. You know what I mean? Like you're talking to so many people every day. And you have to learn how to adapt in each situation. You have to learn how to how to talk to this type of person versus this type of person. You have mm. to learn how to uh, read body language and listen to tonality instead of just the words that people are saying. You have to learn when that person is not telling the truth, like they're lying about something right now. How can I get like that means that they don't trust me. If they don't trust me, they're not going to buy anything from me. How do I make them feel more comfortable with me and how do I get them to trust me? But like you won't be able to pick up on those things if you do it for a month and a half. You know what I mean? So to me, it was like, uh, have you heard of the uh, uh, 73855 rule? Tell me. So it's out of all of our communication, 7% is the words that we say, 38% is our tonality. And 55% is our facial expression and body language in terms of the way that people understand our communication. And so what happens is you get people like writing down a pitch. And a lot of times, especially in big companies, it's some random dude sitting in a corporate office typing out a pitch. Like they have not even talked to a single customer. And so what good salespeople do is they learn the core aspects of the pitch and then they cater that to their personality and they let their personality shine through. But that's because the words that you're saying aren't going to be the things that convinces that person unless you're only writing email copy or something like that where there's no chance for body language or tonality or any of those other things to come out and it only matters the words that you that you're writing or typing um, but in any sort of a like person to person context you got to be aware of the body language that you have and the tonality that you use and so yeah door to door for me was just like a, a the crash course in picking up on a lot of those things yeah speaking of crash course going to your website is even on that homepage is literally a crash course in marketing. I, you know, I was blown away with with the strategy and the technique of what I was seeing, how you how you phrased things, how you positioned your offers, so perfect. One of the things I noticed is you're almost doubling down on the use of Messenger as the engagement vehicle. Mm, is that yeah. is is, that, is is there a deliberate nature of that? Yeah, to be honest, we don't use it enough. But yes, it's just because the open rates and, and click-through rates on Messenger uh, bots are are significantly higher than email. Um, so on, we're, we're reiterating the site right now. We'll launch a new version of the site. 
Um, so we're probably going to try to make the shift more to text message lists um, mm. because they have even better response rates and because you own that data. So like if you're using Facebook Messenger or Instagram Messenger through like ManyChat or something like that, you know, we saw yesterday firsthand. Uh-huh. I know that might date this, this interview, but it's fine. yesterday firsthand that uh, you can't fully rely on those platforms. And so if you if you were running a webinar yesterday and you were planning on driving traffic to your messenger list and all of a sudden Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp are down, it's like, well, uh, I guess I hope people show up to my webinar. You know what I mean? So we're probably going to move, honestly, move away from Messenger because of those types of reasons and try to focus more on the text list because it still has a much better response and open rate than email, uh, but it's not as um, uh, reliant on a certain platform as, as Facebook Messenger is. With your show, Build Your Network, uh, almost 700 episodes. And I gave a short list of some of the names you've had. And that's just a very short list. Your list reads like a who's who of anybody of worth, really. Perhaps that these days when you reach out, now you have somewhat of momentum and clout behind you. So maybe sure. it's a bit easier to get a yes. But bring us back to the beginning. How does one broach those first few big names? Grant Cardone, Tom Bilyeu, Ed Milet, what have you? Yeah, it's another thing that I can point back to with my door-to-door days because I think one of the biggest common denominators of any successful person is that they have thick skin. They're willing to go through no after no after no after no to find the yes, and they understand Mm. that eventually they're going to get it. And through that process is how you get better and earn more yeses. And so at the beginning of reaching out to people, it was was more difficult, to be honest, than door-to-door because... I cared about the interactions with the people I was reaching out to on the podcast. Like if Joe Schmo tells me to like F off and get the, you know, F off his porch, it's like, ah, that kind of sucked. But like, I kind of turn it into a game and a joke anyway, and just move on to the next house. And there's another person that I also have no prior context to. But (laughs) now it's like, I'm reaching out to like heroes of mine, people that yeah. I truly respect and I like them a lot and I've listened to a lot of their stuff. So that type of rejection was, was a little bit more difficult to get over, but it still was important and necessary part of the process. And the the problem is most people write a list of three people they want to bring on their show. And if they can garner the courage mm. to reach out to those people in the first place, they get no responses from it and they go, this doesn't work. And then they all of a sudden are just interviewing the gas station attendant down the road. You know what I mean? Whereas I wrote out a list of like 85 people and started working that list. Like I would work a prospect list. And the percentage of responses that I got at the beginning was significantly lower than the percentage of responses that I get now. But once you get the... It's really about those first like three to five. You can get those first three to five people to say yes. And the first big name that I got was John Lee Dumas. And just to further my point about paying to play, I paid sixty five hundred bucks to go to a mastermind at his house in Puerto Rico for five, for three days with four other people. So, like, sometimes you might just kind of put a crack in the dam by getting the first person pay them. That's why that's like Guestio exists kind of for that reason. If you have if you're brand new to the space, nobody knows who you are, and you also have interviewed zero people that are at all recognizable, it's going to be really difficult to get that first person to give you a shot. So if you go to Guestio and book Jordan Harbinger and John Lee Dumas, then all of a sudden, when you're reaching out to the next person through a cold email that you want to get for free, it's like, I already interviewed John Lee Dumas and Jordan Harbinger. There's like a smack in the face of credibility that people can't deny when you're reaching out to them if you've already got the ball rolling a little bit. So don't be afraid to come out of pocket for those first, like that initial credibility that you need, uh, because it's going to shorten your runway to success significantly. But so, so I did that. 
got my first two or three people on. And then, like I said, every time you get another person on, it's easier to get the next person on because you can reference the last person that you got on. And this is why I encourage people to stick to a certain space first before you go. So like now I've gotten, you know, Matt Barnes, who's an NBA champion and, um, and he actually hosts the top sports podcast for all iHeartRadio called All the Smoke. I got him on. He was somebody I used to watch growing up. I played a lot of basketball and it was a, a big name and, and, and somebody that has no idea about anybody in the entrepreneurial world that I follow. So like my point is like it would be dumb for me to go put him and then Grant Cardone and then uh somebody that's in like the fitness space that like if you segment your list too much at the beginning and it's like these people are all over the place, then there's almost no value in the last awesome. You have to like talk up the last person that you got to say yes. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you do know so and so, and they're like, no, I don't. It's like, oh, well, he's a really big deal in this arena, in this arena because of X, Y, and Z. And you have to like explain to them how awesome it was that you got this person on, so that they feel comfortable to say yes to come on. Whereas if like you've gotten three people and they all know each other, they all do business together, they all know like and trust each other, then it's a lot easier to go get number four, and it's a lot easier to go get number five, right? So like for example. When I got John Lee Dumas on, the first thing I wanted to do was knock out the people in the podcasting space because that was the space I was trying to uh, be well networked in when I first got uh -huh. started. And so it was like, okay, who does John know that I also want to contact? Okay, there's Pat Flynn, there's Chris Tucker, there's Amy Porterfield, there's you know I started writing Lewis a list House. of all the people that that do business in that circle. And it was so much easier to start running through that list of people after you have some momentum and all those people know, like, trust and recognize each other or have done business with each other in the past. And so I always say, you know, stick to a certain area and then move on to the next area. And then a lot of that value kind of comes in starting to almost connect those spaces together. Because that's where I, I was able to build a relationship with someone like, like a John who has a bunch of other people um, always reaching out to him because I was adding value to him by making connections through other industries that I had contacts with that he didn't have contacts with because he was still in this space and I moved over to this space and I was knocking out a bunch of people over here. So like, if you can start getting this whole industry to say yes, this whole industry has no idea who these people are, but they're all extremely high level and you can be the bridge between those two industries. That I mean, that's a really valuable piece for both parties involved. What is the purpose or what was your purpose or what's the purpose for a listener because it's not just getting big names for the sake of big names, because if I'm not mistaken, in and of itself, that's not going to catapult you anywhere, right? right? If you have one big name, if you get Grant tomorrow, it, it might not even be your biggest download. Right. So you're going to have 220 downloads instead of 207, you know? Yeah. That's right. So what is either for you and or the listener? Where do we parlay? What do we need in our back pocket once we're getting the big names? Yeah. So first of all, you need to be a really good interviewer and a host because if they share that content, you can get a lot more traction from it. So when I interviewed Grant, he shared like five clips on Instagram. You can you can go to Grant's YouTube channel and watch our interview right now. Like I didn't even wow. put it up on YouTube because I didn't have a YouTube channel at the time. So like you can type in Grant Cardone, Travis Chapel, and it'll pop up an interview on Grant's YouTube channel. So he right. shared it to his audience. And actually, dude, that was like three years ago. And he shared like four clips on TikTok in the last month from our interview, Showed a shared a couple clips on YouTube shorts in the last week from our interview. So like that content just keeps being shared. But anyway, that's, that's the first way. But obviously, you can't really control whether or not someone shares. You can make it as easy as possible. But at the end, it's their decision to share or not share. So it's really about the credibility and the authority that you have. So the, the way that I try to get people to think about it is like, imagine you're trying to fill up a bucket with water and there's holes in the bucket all around it on the bottom. There's holes everywhere. And you start pouring water in the bucket 
what's going to happen before that water gets up to the top of the bucket. It's all just going to start leaking out of the holes. So I look at like having a credible brand and interviewing big names like that as patching up the holes in the bucket because nobody knew who Travis Chapel was back then. Like nobody. I was starting from scratch. I was a 24-year-old door-to-door sales guy trying to get into the online business world. I had never even met a millionaire prior to that point, let alone had a personal relationship with one. I'm talking about like a millionaire, like seven figures. Never met one, never had a personal relationship with one. That's where I was starting. So like my first goal was like, if anybody comes into my brand, I want them to stay and then I can fix traffic later. So that's what I started doing is patching up all the holes in the bucket. So Grant Cardone is patching up a hole. John Lee Dumas patching up a hole, right? So now like somebody comes into my world, they go visit my website and they see a punch in the face of credibility. Now it's not just the people that I had on my show, but now it's like, oh, he's been on Entrepreneurs on Fire. He's been on Born to Impact with Joel Marin. He's been on um, Bigger Pockets real estate podcast. Like, like these are all massive shows that he's actually been a guest on. He's been on Dropping Bombs, or he's featured in NBC and Forbes and Entrepreneur and Inc. and all the other publications I've been featured in now. Like, so if somebody comes into my world at this point, I have a lot of those holes patched up to where if they have any interest in continuing business with me, the chances of them sticking around and staying in the bucket are significantly higher than somebody who's just like trying to pour water in the bucket frantically hoping that it sticks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Incredible. Like I have like chills and I'm like jazzed up just from that right there. So cool. Let's uh before we part, let's get Guestio back into the conversation because I know people are already seeing how they can use it. Uh, from their host position for guests, but how can a listener also position themselves as a paid guest to appear? Yeah. So that part's super easy. All you got to do is go to Guestio, fill out a profile and put your pricing on, on your, on your profile as to whether or not somebody is going to be willing to pay that price. That's a question of how many holes you've patched up and uh, how many people you have that are that are eager to go get you booked. But I will say, if you are a, the opposite side of the marketplace will work better if you haven't done as much work around patching up those holes, meaning that if you have a podcast, but you don't have a crazy amount of listeners, people still want to get in front of your audience. If you have a thousand plus downloads a month, Go list yourself as a show in the guest your marketplace and put a price tag on your interview for 50 bucks, 25 bucks. It's more than you're making now, right? So go over there and use that. And then what'll happen is you'll start getting paid in uh, what we call G cred, guestio credits. And so you can start using those guestio credits to go get some of these people on your wow. show at that point. And then the more you start getting in that world, the more in demand you become and the more people are willing to pay for you to be a guest on their show or for you to uh, market their show. So if I, if I were somebody listening right now, I would almost list myself as like the bottom that we could possibly list you, which right now is free, but we're actually changing up the site in the next 30 days or so, depending on when you listen to this, there'll probably be a minimum threshold of at least $5 for every booking. So if you're a $5 booking, then keep it super cheap, five bucks, but then offer marketing on the back end on the upsell. So it's like, hey, you can interview me for five bucks, but if you want me to share this to my audience, it's another hundred bucks. It's another 75 bucks. If you want me to do an Instagram swipe up, it's 50 bucks. If you want me to do an email to my list, it's a hundred bucks. If you want me to do a ad read in my podcast, it's 150 bucks or whatever it's going to be. And you can create customized like menu item upsells after somebody books you for an interview on their show. So what, what we're trying to do is bring in a lot of the show side 
uh, so that we have a lot of that inventory for guests that are always looking to appear on shows and get more traffic, which is what everybody wants anyway. Um, so once that happens a lot, I think that we're going to see a lot of our um, just not a lot of our not A-list guests start to get bookings a lot more often. Because uh, right now, the majority of the people that are booked are either free or they are the really high-level folks on there, like you know the Manny Pacquiao's and Les Brown and John Lee Dumas and people like that. But uh, the more shows that we bring in that are looking for just good quality guests, um, I think that, that that demand is going to rise. So if you have your profile set up in there, you can also sign up for a pro account, which means you'll show up first in search results. You're more likely to get booked. We'll verify the information's correct. So shows feel more comfortable paying to interview you, things like that. I know that whenever you get money and finances and quote unquote pay to play involved, it triggers some people. That's that that's on them, but it does. How has the industry responded to this? Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of resistance, man. Just to be 100% with you, um, there's been there's been some resistance from some people who are kind of purists, but it's only because it hasn't been done before. So, True. like, my question is always like, so if if a show is like, oh, I would never pay to bring a guest on, I'm like, okay, are you planning to do an event in the next couple of years? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll, yeah, you know, we're we're planning one for next June. It's like, are you going to pay your speakers? Oh, 100%. Like, I I, I yeah. can't get speakers without paying them. Right. Mm. Right. And it's like. Yeah. So like, this is the same thing. It's just speaking. It's just an e- like, it's just a way sure. cheaper speaking fee instead of paying 25 grand to get Jordan Harbinger in person out to your event, you pay $350 and interview him on your podcast. And it gives you the same amount of credibility as him speaking at your event would, you know what I mean? It makes so way more sense to interview somebody and pay them to be on your show. And on the other side, we also have some podcasters like, Oh, I would never t- accept payment for, for an interview on my show. And I'm like, okay, would you accept a sponsor? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I would let somebody sponsor my show. It's like, it's the same thing, man. Like, instead of me paying you, Josh, for a 30-second promo of Guestio, I would way rather pay you for a 30-minute interview where your audience can get to know, like, and trust me. Again, you still have ultimate control, just like a sponsorship. If you don't want to say yes to that guest, don't say yes. It's not worth the 50 bucks or 150 bucks or, you know, for a bigger show, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand bucks. If it's not worth that to you to muddy up the content in your show to bring on just anybody, then don't do that. I'm not trying to convince people to saturate their content with crappy people. I'm not trying to convince that. (laughs) I am the opposite of that person. But in my opinion, you should be getting paid for the asset that you've built. Because there's so many podcast agencies, and I'm sure you get pitched by a, you know three dozen of them a week, uh, uh-huh. the same as I do. And by the way, this isn't to talk crap about them. I'm just saying that there's like a, there's there's a there's a there's a place for this type of transacting because people are already paying the agencies thousands of dollars to go True. get them booked on all True. of these shows. True. And it's like, look, if these agencies are charging anywhere from 250 to 500 bucks per appearance, which is pretty standard pricing for the industry, and more. Yep. Yeah, and and more. If these agencies are charging that for a show that gets 112 downloads an episode, but they're not paying the show any money, Correct. that to me is a fault in the current system. So how do we get money in the pockets of the people who actually are leveraging the audiences and building the audiences? Like You as a podcaster, you as the showrunner, you're doing all the hard work to get attention into your stuff. Why sell it to somebody else? Why take a 30-second ad read on your podcast that's going to pay you $17 instead of getting a guest appearance that's going to be $150. It's the same company. You're just interviewing the founder. 
You know what I mean? Like you can even say it to your audience, man. You know what I mean? Get on there, be like, hey, look, this is a sponsored episode by Guestio. And uh, you know, Travis isn't a guest that that I reached out to, but they really wanted to, to put this in front of our audience. I checked out the product. I think it's amazing. I've used it a couple of times. So I'm gonna bring Travis on. We're gonna talk about Guestio. You know what I mean? Like, I think for me, it's just gonna be a little bit about education about we're, we're just not thinking about it the right way. Like people have this like weird mentality sometimes where, like I said, like they would pay a speaker, but they're not going to pay somebody to be a guest on their show, you uh-huh. know, or they'll let a sponsor buy a spot on their show, but they won't let somebody buy an interview on their show. It's just like, these are the same concepts. It's just that you're making sure that you're not doing well. <laughs> like You know what I mean? You're like, you're the only person in this transaction that isn't getting paid or like that isn't transacting in a piece of the pie. And it's like, I want to change that. I think creators are the most underrated and undervalued piece of the entire guesting and show booking process. So we want them to be the most overvalued piece of that. Um, and so you know, sign up on there. And even we had, we had one show that's literally creating a new episode every week just for paid interview spots. Because like, look, I don't want my audience to think that that all these people are just organic people that are coming into my world because that would be disingenuous for me to say that to my audience. Okay, great. If that's how you feel, that's no problem. But what they're doing is instead of doing a 45-minute episode with interviewing a guest, they're doing a 20-minute episode once a week. And they're selling that spot to somebody who wants more traffic for their offers. So it's like now all of a sudden, your podcast went from paying you $0 to paying you... 400 bucks a month because you're selling a hundred dollar guest spots once a week for your show. It's just like, why not make that extra money? Yeah. For the record, this is not a a paid sponsorship. Travis is here uh, with $0. I just happen to love (laughs) Travis. I love everything he's doing and what he stands for. And I love the concept of Guestio. So I just wanted to speak about it. Uh, What I love that we're also talking about is that you have to, just like I said earlier, that a, a smart podcaster needs to know the headlines needs to be plugged into the industry news and who the big and small players are you also have to know like we said too your show is an asset just like every podcast is this is a business it's a marketing play or it's a business vertical or it's a division it's a business you are a business person yes 100 man Uh, that that's one of my biggest frustrations is when I see hobbyists complain that their hobby isn't paying them. Mm. And that's podcasters to a T is is they treat their show like it's a hobby all the time. They're not willing to invest in it. They're not willing to invest in themselves. They're not willing to upgrade things. Aren't willing to make the sacrifices that other people would. And then they're like whining about the fact that their show doesn't pay them and their show is it's not growing and it's not doing the thing. And then they quit. And it's like, well, if you treat your podcast like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby, which is a big fat zero. If you treat it like a business, then it's going to start paying you like a business. And you don't have to be a crazy person like I was. Like I literally invested $45,000 in my podcast year one. I put it on a 0% interest credit card and I paid it off with podcast income before I ever paid a diamond interest on that card. But it was a it was a risk, but it was something that I knew that I wanted to do. And ultimately, if you look at a $45,000 investment to start a business that I can travel the world with, make a lot of wow. money from and on my own schedule, remote, talking about stuff I want to talk about with people that I want to talk to, it's really not that much money. It costs over a million dollars to start a McDonald's franchise that is like best case scenario going to make me 80 grand this year, keeps me locked into a specific location. I have 25 em- employees working at a single shift 
and I have insurance and licensing and a physical location and and uh, and a lease and all this other stuff for a, a million plus dollars. And this is what people do all the time to invest in new businesses. Like forty five grand was really nothing. It's just comparatively to most people in this industry, it's a lot of money because most people are not willing to spend more than a hundred bucks that it cost them to buy their mic. Where did that money go? What did you put it towards? Uh, mostly in me, uh, coaching, masterminds, events, plane tickets, hotels, courses, mostly knowledge. So you can learn how to podcast or learn the business around the podcast. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Initially podcasting and then secondarily, uh, online business. Yeah. Fascinating, man. Masterminds, courses. And since then, man, like I'm in one mastermind that costs me a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I just renewed that one. Like I'm a very big proponent of investing into yourself. Just like Jim Rohn said, man, so uh, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And mo- unfortunately, most people stop educating themselves as soon as they leave the formal education system. Um, they stop being willing to pay for it, which is mind-blowing to me. It's like, you paid 200 grand for a useless degree in you know, political science, but you're balking at a $500 course. <laughs> so like, it, uh, it just, I, I don't understand sometimes what, what people's decision processes are. I'm glad we got the Jim Rohn quote in there. My kind of quote before we uh, head out, take us home, Travis, where should the people follow up the conversation with you? Yeah. Guestio.com is the best place, obviously to go check out everything we got going on over there. Um, and then travischapel.com for everything that I'm up to, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, depending on when you're listening to this, the site may or may not be updated, but uh, we still have like all of our social links are still good on there. So um, either way, travischapel.com, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Amazing, my man. So great to finally do this. We're on track to crossing paths in person once per year. I'm looking forward to the next crossing and uh, we'll we'll keep it going. I feel like we we just, with all this great dialogue, I feel like we even just scratched the surface. That's the kind of guy you are. I want to thank you, sir, for uh, coming along today. Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Doesn't it feel great to start something and finish it? I love that feeling. Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to my website, joshcarry.com slash podcast, and let me know exactly what you loved most about this episode. What did you learn? What did you discover? What are you going to do next? And I'm going to send you a free gift as my way of saying thanks. I appreciate you taking your time to tune in today. We'll do it again soon.